What we need is more common sense. More common sense. You got to use plain old common sense. Breaking down the world's nonsense. About how American common sense will see us through. With the common sense of Houston. I'm just pro common sense. For Houston, from Houston. Where is talking about common sense? This is the Jimmy Barrett Show. Brought to you by ViewIn.com. Now, here's Jimmy Barrett. Okay, we might as well start with uh, with my position of being an electric whore. I am a complete whore when it comes to power usage, and I, I make no bones about it, and I make no apologies for it. I, I live in the great state of Texas. The As far as I'm concerned, you know, the be-all, end-all of places to live, and a place where we should be able to generate as much power as we want to give to everybody so they can stay as cool as they can affordably stay. I mean, it's not like I'm not paying for it. In fact, I had, what was my electric bill? The last one was over $400, which is kind of getting up there in the territory where even I start to go, whoa, wait a minute here. But if there's one thing I've learned, that is the difference between you know staying comfortable, getting a good night's sleep, and just not being comfortable. And I, uh, I refuse to not be comfortable. I'm sorry. And if you want to conserve... Uh, either to save on your electric bill or because ERCOT is asking you to, then God bless you, please do. But as for me, I choose to stay cool. My temperature right now is set at 71 degrees. And the temperature inside my house is 71 degrees. Oh, you're using up all the power. I'm using I'm using some power, yeah. But I have a, I have a pretty energy-efficient home. I, I have the latest energy-efficient heating and cooling system. So I'm using less energy keeping my home at 71 than some people are dialing up to like 76 or 78 or even 80 degrees to have an old system. So I look at it this way. I just I'm, I, re- I refuse to not be comfortable. I am not going to change because we can't seem to generate enough electricity, which I, I guess segues very nicely. I mean, it did get hot yesterday. Uh, it got so hot. How hot was it, Jimmy? It got so hot that I just basically didn't leave the house all day. I did. I got up. I walked the dog at about, eight, let's see, about 8, eight o'clock in the morning, between 7.30 and 8 o'clock in the morning before it got too crazy hot. It was like maybe 84 degrees, a little bit of a breeze going on, very humid, but you know, tolerable. And we went out and we did our walk and we came back, and that was pretty much it. That's pretty much it for being outside spending any appreciable amount of time outside. It was it was so hot yesterday that I don't think there was anybody out at our community pool. I don't think anybody thought that even if you're staying in the water, that it would be cool enough to just kind of be out of the pool. That's how hot it was. We hit 105 degrees here at my house. I don't know what the temperature got at your house, but we hit 105 degrees. And yesterday was the day that ERCOT went ahead and put out the message, they did this yesterday, calling on all state residents to conserve energy, warning of potential rolling blackouts. Now that's funny because that that's how it was reported uh, in uh, Reuters. That's the Reuters story. But I didn't see that reported anywhere else is, is ERCOT warning of, of some sort of rolling blackouts. In fact, I'm a little surprised to hear that they would even mention that because they're very, very shy at the idea of even talking about losing power at this point. They're, they're so gun-shy from the big February freeze story, story 
I think they're scared to death of the idea that we could have rolling blackouts. Now there were some there were some power outages south of Houston um, yesterday last last evening. There were some uh, power outages in the Austin area, but the, the city of Austin operates its own grid. So that that's a kind of a completely separate situation. Now, at no time did anybody ever say that the outages had to do with either a storm or with blackouts. They just basically said, we have some people that don't have power. And they never really offered an explanation as to why there's no power. I'm guessing they don't really want to say, they certainly don't want to say if it was a rolling blackout situation. Um, now, this is, this is a quote from Urquhart. The state faces, quote, a potential reserve capacity shortage with no market solution available. Can Would you allow me to translate? Here, let me take it out of Urkadese for you into English, plain English. We don't have enough in reserve. So if we, if we, and we have no market, we have no ability to replace it. In other words, this is all the energy we've got and we've got nowhere to go to get more. So if we get to the point where the system is getting ready to shut down. We're going to have to do the rolling blackout thing where we take people offline, whether they want to be offline or not, in order to conserve energy. ERCOT has more than 26 million customers here in Texas. They told us earlier this year that it had enough reserves to meet demand. And now, as it turns out, no, we probably don't. Now, granted, it's unusually hot. But it's been this hot in Texas before, and likely it will be this hot again. If we don't have enough to get through a day where the temperature gets to 105 degrees, then, and we did get through it yesterday for the most part, I think, but if we, if we can't deal with 100-degree days in July and August here in Houston, then we've got, we've got bigger problems. Now, you're asked to conserve, if you want to conserve energy, and I'm not trying, by the way, I'm not trying to discourage anybody from conserving. If you want to conserve, more power to you. And you're a better person than I am for wanting to conserve. But ERCOT said the time to conserve is between 2 this afternoon and 8 p.m., 2 and 8. That's when demand reaches its peak. Now, if it gets to 79,934 megawatts um, today and over 80,000 Tuesday, then we're going to be right on the borderline of what we can generate in order to keep everybody going. It's going to be a very interesting day. All right. Stay cool however you have to. Back with more in a moment. Jimmy Barrett Show here on AM 950 KPRC. Gonna rock the town without being seen. Have you ever seen a turtle get down? Slamming and jamming to the new swing sound. Yeah, everybody let's move. Vanilla is here with the new Jack Boo. Gonna rock and roll the place with the power of the Ninja Turtle Base. Iceman, you know I'm not playing. Devastate the show while the turtles are saying. Ninja, Ninja, rap. Ninja, Ninja, rap. Ninja, Ninja, rap. Go, 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 Ninja, go, Ninja, go. Yo, throwing out the vanilla ice. You know what vanilla ice does these days? You see this? He's got like a shit. Is it on HGTV? 
is on one of the home improvement channels. He's got a show he does. He does home improvements. So does um, so does what is the one of the singers from the Backstreet Boys does the same thing. <laughs> they're all they're all into these home improvement shows now. Uh, but back in the day, that was what movie was that from? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I think. Anyway, I bring up ninjas, uh, not because I'm thinking of ninjas. Well, I am thinking a little bit about ninjas because evidently they have dubbed the latest COVID variant. Yeah, here we go again. The COVID stories are coming. Um, you know what that means? We're getting, we're, well, we got to start the setup here. It's summertime. We got to start the setup. It's, it's July. We got to get you ready for, you know, like August, September, early October. You know, we got to, we got to, we got to get everybody all back up to speed here on, on the possibility that we're going to have to shut some things down and we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to get prepared for another pan round of the pandemic. And we're going to have to make sure everybody gets a mail-in ballot and all that kind of stuff. That, at least that's my my imagination at work here of what, we, what we're dealing with here. But they're calling the latest variant the Ninja variant. Ninja. It's got nothing to do with where COVID comes from. It hasn't got anything to do with what it does to you as much as it it, it deals with the ability, evidently, of this particular variant to avoid detection from your immune system. Uh, there was a doctor on Fox. His name, let me find it, uh, Dr. Albert Pellip. Here's what he says about the Ninja variant. BA4 and 5, very prevalent. They are probably the most prevalent right now in the United States. I would say 100,000 cases a week and about 400 deaths per day. Uh, it is absolutely more transmissible. Uh, it is more immune evasive. And it does that because it seems to be avoiding the antibody landing site. What does that mean? Our immunity comes from two separate ways. We can get vaccinated, which we've done a great job in, in the United States, or we can get sick with COVID and get natural immunity. Those antibodies are ready to fight the COVID. However, as these variations and mutations grow, they figure out a way to survive. So they come up with ways to stay away from our immune system that is uh, built up from either vaccine or through uh, being sick. Even FDA at this point wants us to have BA4 and 5 integrated into our booster shots, which I think is a wonderful idea. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. So how long would it take us to do that? How long before we could add the BA4, you know, the, the ninja variant to to uh, to the to the booster shot, uh, six months, maybe a little longer. Will it still even be around? Excuse me, in six months? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, so once again, you're being encouraged to get a booster shot, which I gave up on those a long time ago. But you're being encouraged to get a booster shot for a subvariant of COVID that won't be around probably will have been replaced by something else somewhere down the road. Here is what, where did I get this story from? This is, um, this is from, oh, UC Davis Health, as in University of California, Davis. The latest Omicron subvariant is a whole different animal. Its most defining factor, it is the most easily transmissible COVID variant to date. Able to evade previous immunity 
from COVID infection and vaccination. So, just to just reiterate here, getting a vaccine for COVID won't help you at all with this variant. Having had COVID before won't help you with this variant. There's no reason for you to get a shot or to even think about getting a booster shot with this variant because it won't make any difference. Now, before we allow that to ruin our day, allow me to read on because, you know, some of the most important things to know about. Now, he did say something somewhat alarming there. 400 deaths per day. Now, by 400 deaths per day, I assume he's talking worldwide and he's not talking about just in the United States. At least I'm guessing that's what the case is. Because what we're seeing with this COVID variant is, in some cases, a fever, runny nose, coughing, sore throat, headaches, muscle pain, and fatigue. In other words, the very same symptoms you get from the most common form of the flu. The good news is, is that they're not seeing a lot of severe illness that we saw early in the pandemic. Not even with BA5. It does mean you can get reinfected many times from BA5, however, which means that if even if you get BA5, um, you could get it again because past infections will not protect you from future infections as long as this one is still circulating. But if the symptoms, if, if, if what we're seeing here for the most part is just another version of, a, of the flu or very, very, very bad common cold, then for most people, it's not bad. It's the same thing we've had before, though. If you are immune compromised, if you have um, pre-existing conditions, diabetes, uh, kidney disorders, all those types of things, then this could be a problem for you. But then again, if you have some of those things, just about any sort of illness could be a problem. So why are we being, being warned about this? I think we're being warned about it because, again, it's time to ratchet things back up. Monkeypox doesn't seem to be taking with most folks. So it's hard to get everybody excited about monkeypox. Um, they're going to want to reinstitute some of the controls that have been in effect before. Mask wearing, um, certain activities being held indoors. I, I, I really firmly believe that some of that stuff, there's going to be an attempt, at least in some states, to bring some of that stuff back. I don't look for it to happen here in Texas. Uh, there's no appetite for it here in Texas. I don't think that would be the case. But you never know. You never know. There could be an attempt to bring that back. So just just thought you would want to know about that and we're, because we're going to see more of these stories. And when we see more of these stories, then we need to, you know, we need to be on alert um, as far as what the purpose behind the stories are and whether or not they, the, the symptoms and the disease itself are something that we should really be that concerned about. All right, what else was I going to talk about this segment? Um, I was going to talk about, you know what, let's get, um, let's talk a little bit about, let's grab, grab me the um, Moody on fentanyl issues cut, if you would, Will. Grab that one for me, because that, that's something I didn't get to on the morning show today. You know, Governor Abbott over the weekend talking about, again, um, making a comparison, a very good comparison, a very sad comparison, 
but a very good comparison between Houston and the amount of illegals we're seeing uh, streaming across the border. That the way things stand right now, things left unchecked on a yearly basis, we are basically adding a city the size of Houston, Texas, to the American population of illegals who are crossing over the border and end up staying in the country. And, of course, along with it, we're dealing with a lot of other things as well, including fentanyl. In fact, that is one of the biggest things we're dealing with. And one of the things that the, the current administration doesn't seem to want to talk about. They don't seem to have anything to say about it. It's killing Americans by the tens of thousands. This stuff is so easy to overdose on. In fact, the Attorney General of the state of Florida, her name is Ashley Moody. Here she is on Fox this weekend talking about the fentanyl issues they're dealing with with Florida and what we're dealing with all across the country. This is a tragedy in the making, and stories like this are not uncommon all around the nation. Fentanyl has flooded into the country. I mean, Biden might as well have just given a key to the cartels. It's unbelievable the amounts flooding in. It's extraordinarily dangerous. We are dealing right now in one of the smallest counties uh, in our state, they're dealing in, with an emergency right now where fentanyl is, is running rampant. We've seen about nine deaths, an incredible amount of overdoses. Uh, the border and the lack of security and the lack of law enforcement there has made Americans less safe, certain, certainly Floridians. And that's why, as Attorney General, the top cop here in the state, it's so wonderful to have a governor who's like, this is cannot be tolerated. Yeah. You cannot have a country or a state and and not enforce the law. So he's taking action, and, and it's it's just been a breath of fresh air. And I think to many around the nation who are just begging for leadership. Yeah, well, we're but we're begging from leadership from the top because that's where the problem is as it relates to immigration. And by the way, if you missed the morning show today in KTRH, we uh, we had uh, a former immigration judge on the air, Mark Metcalf. Uh, talking about how the DOJ, the Department of Justice, is systematically starting to remove, there's only been about a half a dozen so far, but they're starting to remove Trump-era appointed immigration judges because they don't like the fact that they're conservatives and they're operating with the idea that we have a border we should enforce. Back with more in a moment, Jimmy Barrett, AM 950 KPRC. All right, here's something that I've heard a lot of people talking about here, and we should probably mention it on the show. And that is the Strategic Oil Reserve. We have sold off a portion of the Strategic Oil Reserve to the Chinese. And in fact, to a company that has business dealings with, I don't know, some guy named Hunter Biden. That's the bad penny keeps showing up over and over again. Yeah, selling oil to China. Now, the administration would probably say something along the lines of, well, you know, it's a global thing, so any putting more oil out there just helps everybody. Uh, but the reality is, is that it helps the Chinese a lot more than it helps us. Why would we give up oil that we could refine and distribute in our own country to another country when we have high gas prices? That's certainly not looking out for the United States first or even second as far as that goes. Uh, it's something not lost on former Texas governor and former energy secretary Rick Perry. He was on with Larry Kudlow talking about it. There have been some experts who have taken a look at this, uh, as have you, and have said that had the Biden administration not sent that uh, strategic petroleum reserve 
uh, crude out of the country uh, in most cases. And uh, and this last week, the the knowledge that uh, it was sent to China is unbelievable. Uh, we're helping our arch enemy here at the same time uh, we're seeing American citizens pay some of the highest prices ever. I think we're down to the lowest uh, strategic reserve levels since 1986. Our refineries are at the lowest, or I should say, at their lowest capacity of, of, of crude on hand since 2004. I mean, we're, we're on the verge of a major calamity here, uh, and the Biden administration is sending one of our most valuable resources to other places in the world. I don't get it, Larry. This is, uh, this is an ineptitude uh, at a level that I didn't think that even the Biden administration was uh, able to attain. Here's the problem, though. And I'm sorry, Governor Perry, but or would you prefer to be addressed as Secretary Perry? Whatever the case, I'm sorry, Rick Perry. But I think you're falling victim to the same thing so many of us have fallen victim to, which is the idea that these people are stupid, which is the idea that they're inept, that, that, that they, they have no idea what they're doing. I think they know exactly what they're doing. This is, this is, we do not, you're not giving these people enough credit. If, if calamity is going to be the ultimate result of all these things that are going on, then calamity is the goal. That's what they want. The great economic reset works a whole lot better when you've got all this kind of stuff going on. So let's, let's not, let's not call this ineptitude anymore. This is very purposeful. You know, I think that's exactly what they'd like us to think is that, oh, yeah, they, they, they think that Biden's just stupid. Well, Biden's not even doing it. He's just, you know, he's just the front guy for all this stuff. All right. Now, as far as what's going on with the economy, we're all trying to figure that one out. And, and right now, it's kind of interesting, these, these mixed signs that we're getting. We still have quite a few job openings in this country. And we still are not seeing, we're seeing layoffs in some sectors mainly in, in, in big tech, but we're not, we're not seeing it in most places. We still have, we still have people begging for workers. In fact, where does, oh, this is where I saw it. Um, we still have employees that want to work under their conditions. And here's a great example. More than 300 employees from five state agencies have, in Virginia have resigned since Governor Youngkin announced their new telework policy. So in early May, he basically said, okay, it's time for y'all to come back to work. If you used to work in whatever office building used to be in, you're going to be coming back to that office building. Since he made that announcement, 183 Virginia Department of Transportation employees, 28 of whom specifically cited telework options as the reason for leaving, have left. Two VDOT workers who listed telework as the reason did move to another state agency where they didn't have to work from inside the office building. But you have over 300 people who have resigned rather than not work from home. That's kind of where we're at at this point. We still have a ton of people who want to work from home. They like working from home. They like not having to leave the house. I think, I think we're becoming antisocial. People prefer to work from at home. I, I get that you don't want to go outside when it's 105 degrees. <laughs> but wouldn't you like to leave the house every now and again? 
Wouldn't you like to, you know, go to work and see other people you work with instead of doing, you know, team meetings? Don't you get tired of team meetings? You would think at some point they'd all want to get back to work. Anyway, what we're seeing right now is is kind of a mixed bag. We're seeing high inflation, but we're also seeing people getting some decent raises. We're we're seeing there's still a demand out there for workers that hasn't been satisfied. And so we're looking potentially, you know, with with flat or negative growth, we're looking at a recession that doesn't behave like a normal recession. Because a normal recession would be that you would have high unemployment to go along with everything else. But we're not seeing the high unemployment. Here is, um, let me see if I can find her name here really quickly. Um, they were talking about it on Fox over the weekend here, about the, about the jobs numbers and how the... Uh, the, the employment numbers aren't kind of matching up with this. Anyway, let's listen to what she had to say, this expert on Fox, about a high employment recession. Yeah, you know, Maria, this could be a different type of recession, right, than we've ever seen before. In fact, I heard an investor talking about recessions are like snowflakes. No two are ever alike. Well, I think this one is going to be really different because the job market is predicted to remain very strong. There is so much demand for workers today in all sectors, really across the board. We see it in trade and transportation and health care, professional and business services, retail, manufacturing, construction, all have a demand for workers. And they're really struggling to get people back to work. And I think the disconnect here of why the job market will remain strong is all about labor participation. We just don't have enough people participating in the workforce. And that's why this might be a different type of recession than what we've experienced before. Interesting. In other words, you know, we only have like about a 65% participation right now which means we have a lot of people that aren't working and don't have any desire to work. Therefore, they're not filling the jobs. All right, by the way, that was uh, Joni Biley. She's at EmployBridge. She's their chief workforce analyst. All right. Well, yep. I guess we're reinventing recessions along with everything else these days. Thank you for listening. Have a great evening. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Shares back from vacation. On News Radio 740 KTRH, I'll be with her tomorrow morning starting at 5, and then we're back here at 4 on AM 950 KPRC.